0: Hello, Internet. My name is Walter C.A.D.'s FedChuck, and welcome to perhaps the most important episode of Final Cut that we have ever done. Uh, As by now, you have already seen the title of the movie uh, that we are covering today and the title of the podcast. It is not Spencer. Uh, I just want to say, no, we did not lie to you on the last episode. It was 1 million percent our intention to cover. Uh, the Princess Diana uh, kind of historical mockumentary uh, film starring Kristen Stewart. However, over the weekend, uh, Chase would not stop blowing up my phone, and this is Easter weekend, uh, about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. He told me that I absolutely needed to go see this film, so I fit it into my schedule and saw it uh, yesterday early afternoon, and I agreed with his sentiments, that we needed to talk about this movie. Uh, I had an entire thing like planned of like I was going to reference like, oh, so Chase, you, you made me need to go see Space Gyms 2. Like, let's talk about <laughs> that joke. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, but I don't want to tarnish the conversation that we we're about to have with any of that. Uh, and of course, Chase, as always, is here by my side. Chase Wassener, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, man. I get to talk about one of the best films I've ever seen. So I'm having a great time. Uh, and this is, I guess, the, the moment in which we say, if you haven't seen it yet, just go see it. Spoiler alert. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Um, it's the best thing I think we've talked about on the podcast. And I have really liked several other things on this podcast. So if you haven't seen it yet, by all means, take the time, go see it, come back to this so that you can gush about it with us. Because I think there's a lot to gush about with this film.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I'm not going to put you on a spot to tell me what your like top five favorite movies are, Um, because I think that's actually a really hard conversation to have uh, in terms of like when you see something new and you have to reevaluate and you go, oh, my God, this was like incredible. Where do I rank it? And it's like I love Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is probably one of my favorite movies. You know, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But like it's been so long since I've seen it. So then when I see something like this, like, do I immediately put it ahead of it? Because, like, this is the first time viewing it. The emotions are so raw. The the, the uh, experience is so raw. And then you, like, go back and you watch your your favorite quote-unquote movie for the 100th time. And you're like, yeah, this is still really, really good. But the first time I watched it, did I still have that same, like, emotional pull that I'm getting from, you know, the, the newer things? So it's I think that... I think, like, top five media kind of consumption is always kind of pick like hard to pin down exactly what your absolute favorites are. But Chase, let us start at the beginning of everything, everywhere, all at once. What initially drew you to wanting to see this movie?
1: You know, the fun thing about that is that I knew basically nothing going into it. I, I straight up... I did not even see a trailer for it. I knew that Michelle Yeoh was involved. I knew that she was going to do some taxes. Uh, That was how it had been teased to me, uh, along with the sentence, and you desperately need to go see it because it is amazing and unlike anything you've ever seen before. And when you have a title that is everything, everywhere, all at once, and you are selling this movie uh, as if it is going to live up to that uh, namesake, um, there are a lot of different ways that that can go. It's a bold swing, but man, does this movie nail it? Oh man. I, I, you could totally see how it got there, uh, from a, uh, name perspective and a height perspective because there's nothing quite like it that I've ever seen before. Not sure if I'll ever see anything quite like it ever again. And it does so on such a scale in, in the depth and breadth that it is able to cover, that it can make a really big, uh, just a really big Im- impression and really last in a way that I, I think um, is going to stick with me for a very long time. Um, But that's that's all I knew going in was that a lot of people seemed to really like it, that Michelle Yeoh was involved and that it was going to be weird. And it lived up to all three of those things and then some.
0: Absolutely. I would say I was kind of on the I was pretty much on the same page as you not even knowing any sort of the minor details in the movie. Uh, I do feel slightly embarrassed that as I was watching it, the only two actors I really recognized were were James Hong as, as the grandfather. And it took me probably like two thirds of the movie to realize that Deirdre was Jamie Lee Curtis. Um I Michelle Yeoh I just I couldn't put a face to it. I I I recognized the name um after the fact and when I looked up at the IMDb I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I know who this actress is. And I just I couldn't put a name to the face." Um but yeah, I knew very very little other than the fact that it absolutely ground movie Twitter to a halt following the Oscars and the Will Smith incident in a way that I just didn't think was going to happen. Um, but here it was. It was, and once that happened, once everybody started talking about it, you know, Chase and I, you know, build out a plan of like, hey, we want to see these new movies and talk about these, you know, next, you know, these are the next two or three or four episodes. And I just kind of knew at some point this movie was going to have to get slotted in there. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be so soon to Chase seeing it. I thought I was going to be able to put it off for a week or two um, to when my life was a little bit slower. Um, seeing this coming out of Easter weekend. Which there is an earnestness and an honesty in this movie, and in, in, in every aspect of this movie and in, in the cinematography, the directing, the acting performances, all of this that I don't want to talk about that uh that Warner Brothers movie that came out this past weekend about that franchise with the transphobic author. But to see how everyone like was panning that and saying that this movie was the death of that series and WB might not ever want to touch the property again or are secretly thinking about doing a reboot and just need to wait a few years for everything to die down. To see something so refreshingly honest and endearing and just they, they put it all out there and they said this is what we are going to discuss. We are going to discuss everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. and and you're right it it didn't it absolutely lived up to that name so what is the breakdown of everything like coming into like as you come out of the movie now chase this is a very philosophical question what is everything
1: well i i think that if there's anything that people on a broad scale regardless of where you're from or where you land on the political spectrum. I think what we can all agree is that the world has been a lot recently. A lot of things keep happening. A lot of them are not great. Uh, A lot of people... It's been really shitty. Let's just be honest. It's
0: been really shitty.
1: It's really sucked. Um, Pandemics are bad. Um, And things weren't going great before the pandemic for a lot of people. So this idea of feeling constantly overwhelmed, that everything is happening everywhere, all at once is a sentiment I think a lot of people can grasp onto, especially if you're someone who cares about people in other parts of the world, right? If if you care about what's happening in, say, Ukraine right now, then that is another thing that feels like it is being added to the pile of things that you have to process, that you have to emotionally deal with and understand and draw empathy to and, and maybe you know, try to help in some ways despite having very limited control over it. We have that on a macro level. We have it on a micro level where people feel, as a whole, less satisfied with their career paths now than they have in the past. And it feels like people are working more for less of a return compared to previous generations just because of where inflation has been at. Um, And how wages have kind of stagnated in a lot of different places. Obviously, depending on where you're at, certain factors are going to be bigger or smaller. But one thing that's very clear is that in the world in which we live now, in which everyone is connected via social media and other ways of easily communicating with each other and easily getting news of what's happening everywhere, all at once, all of the time, it's a lot. It's a lot to process and it's so easy for that to feel overwhelming, for that to feel like it is too much for anyone to bear, like there's nothing you can do, nothing matters. Because none of it can can feel like enough. And when you feel that way, it is very easy to fall into the kind of depression and nihilistic uh anger and disconnect. That Jobu Tupaki has in this film, uh, that the joy in this alternate version of of herself ultimately has. Um, This idea that everything should just burn because it's all fucked anyway, and it would be just so much easier if we didn't have to deal with all of the bullshit. It's a very tempting premise. Um, And I love that what this film does is it takes that understanding, that feeling that all of us in some way, shape, and form are dealing with, and it turns it on its head. And it asks you, well, if nothing matters, then what does matter? Because we get to make a choice on that. And Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, makes a choice in this film Despite everything that she deals with in the first two-thirds of it, when the pressure is on, she looks to her husband, who she had previously considered to be an absolute loser, sees how his kindness was used as a weapon, and decides to use kindness as her own weapon. Because even if she can't fix everything everywhere all at once, she can do her best to make things better where she can, with what she can control. And that's something that I think can resonate with literally everyone right now. Uh, I think we could all use that reminder that despite how much things suck all of the time, kindness can still win. Kindness can still make a difference. And caring, even in the understanding that it is painful and that it may not be able to fix everything, it still matters. And it can fix some things. And that's enough. It's a really powerful message as far as I'm concerned.
0: Oh, it, it is it is incredibly powerful because it harkens to just a lot of what you're taught kind of growing up is like the golden rule, or we'll treat others how you want to be treated and all of these types of things. And I think what's very interesting is that this movie is a discussion of two different people's paths uh obviously evelyn's path and her decision making and and where all that leads to and ultimately you know that ultimate decision of kindness and and joy's uh tabaki's sort of journey and the like different branching paths that they all reach to because you know what it's it's over 12 minutes into this movie and we haven't even discussed the fact that there's like multiverse crap going on in all of this <laughs> there's there's a multiverse folks um basically you need to think of it like it's a skill tree in a video game and what happens is you you start at the central point you know that either that um, evelyn is at or like alpha wang uh is at which is the husband is, is weyman wang and you know all these different universes and then part of the, the storytelling, uh, the, the plot system that they use, is that you can can sort of use the skills or the lives of these other yous, these other Evelyns, to then interact in your primary world. And they do it in this very, like, quirky, intuitive manner, which is like, okay, so you need to get from point A to point S, well, how do you get from point A to point S without, you know, doing like portals like like this is, you know, uh, Rick and Morty or, 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 um, or uh, the Avengers or something like that is like, well, you just do something that is just wacky and just it just like wouldn't normally happen. It sort of reminds me of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and you just do something like incredibly out there and that bumps you into that alternate that first alternate universe in that path and then that slingshots you to where you want to go. Um, some of the things is, like, biting off your chapstick and chewing on it. Uh, there was one moment where, uh, Alpha, uh, Wayman needs to, uh, become a martial artist. And the way to get there is he needs to get four paper cuts in between his fingers, which is an incredibly uncomfortable scene for me. Like, I, I literally covered my eyes the entire time because that, that's just, like... There's a just really unnerving kind of gruesomeness to to paper cuts. I know some of the – there's a wrestler that I uh, used to watch back in the day that that was, like, one of his things is that he would give his opponents paper cuts. And they make, like, a little offbeat joke of, like, oh, my God, it's impossible to get a paper cut when you're trying to get one. Um, But just, like, this very interesting plot-telling device to sort of make up for all of this to sort of be, like, yeah – like this life sucks, but just think about it. like, maybe there's a different life where you'd be doing better. And it like gets you into that thought process of like thinking about, you know, ulterior lives and like, oh, if I had made this one decision, would this have changed anything? Chase, I know that within the you know past few years, that's always been like a very common, like Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter, like prompting post If like, oh, if you could go back to one moment in your life, what would you change? But I feel like people never consider, well, if you change that moment, it's the butterfly effect. What else does it change? And it was very refreshing to see a film sort of deal with that and go like, yeah, if you change that one moment, you're an entirely different person.
1: Yeah, it is funny to think about, right? Uh, I I do. um, When I think about my life and certain turning points, I can point to very clear moments in which. Had I gone a different way, my life could have been completely different, right? What if I had won that series when I was coaching a team in Istanbul and I was still a Turkish coach because I had gotten that TCL spot, which meant that the company that had been sponsoring the team uh, was able to actually pay our bills and I uh, would have gotten compensated for that job as one of the players, you know? That would have been a very different timeline. Uh, had I uh, stayed with my ex fiance very different timeline and who knows what could have been better or worse in any of these spots right part of our limitation as human beings is that we only get to do this whole thing once and we only get to think about what these other timelines could be one of the things that's so great about this film is that it takes that idea Brings it into a reality, right? You are you are put in a position in which you can know what this would have been. And you even see in moments, like Evelyn has a moment where she sees herself having not gone with her husband uh, overseas, uh, having become a movie star, having become a martial arts star, uh, which funnily enough, she absolutely is in real life. But like, you know, she uh, in the film... Uh, absolutely carries herself with this like oh this is so glamorous this is so awesome she, uh, there's even a line like i can't wait to tell my husband how much better my life is without him he needs to know how much better my life could have been but by the end of the film she has recognized the positives that he has brought into it she has recognized the things about him that have made her life better across not just one timeline but across multiple timelines and how those positive influences led her to a better spot than maybe she had realized that maybe even in that other timeline, she would have been missing something that she didn't realize she was missing. Um, And I think there's something really powerful about that too. Uh, Just this idea that the world is complicated, that the world will provide many different points at which things could change dramatically. And as you look forward in life, at decisions that you have yet to make, it's so easy to get held up in the idea of, well, what is that going to mean for me? Is it really going to make me happy? Is it really going to accomplish these other larger goals that I have? And the answer is that we never know. We don't have the certainty that this film tries to bring, but even if we did, as this film points out, it it's so much more complicated than that because ultimately there are these fundamental things that make us who we are in this moment that we are living in that are worth holding onto that are worth building from and improving upon and making the most out of regardless of what those other timelines could have brought. Um, I, and I think that there's something really beautiful about that. This idea that you could be tapped into all of these different universes, but the lesson, ultimately, is to try to make the most out of the universe that you have. That kind of starting universe, so to speak, uh, that serves as, like, the main crux of the film itself. Um, I, I just think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And my few stints that i have had with therapy one of the things that the the couple of therapists i have had have pointed out is that i am incredibly like rear facing in terms of like when I get stressed out or I I'm getting you know in a depressive state, I look backwards. I I obsess over things in the past. But the like the reality is that when someone approaches me and says like oh if you could change anything in in your past, what would it be? And like like you, there are a number of moments where I'm like well I wish I would be like I could have done this differently. I could have done this differently. I wish I you know one of the one of the most common ones that will pop up in my head is when I was with the company out in California doing esports, and when that time ended. I immediately came back to New York. I didn't stay out there to try and and push things. And this was still at the time where like not having a degree, like I I probably could have figured it out if I had stayed out there and stayed in California. Very easily could have figured something out and, and gotten in someplace. But I give the what people will accuse me of saying is the cop out answer is I wouldn't change a thing because I don't. I like who I am. I like, you know, I might not be, you know, over the moon about absolutely everything in my life right now. But at the end of the day, I I genuinely like where my life has turned out and the person that I've become. And you don't know what changing any tiny little decision back in the past could be. And it was an incredibly refreshing. It was incredibly uh, emotional spoiler alert: Walter's turned into a big old softy over the last like two years with everything that's been going on. I sobbed like quite hard in like the ending half an hour of this movie. It it was a it was a tearjerker for me, and I was not by myself in that movie theater, so it was a very quiet hard cry. Um, but it really resonated in me, and it was refreshing to see someone like prove that that sort of mentality and that sort of thought process is kind of the, I don't want to say correct, but it's sort of the the more healthy way of looking at things. It's like, yeah, you can look at everything. Like imagine you could see all the decisions played out and you could pick and choose where you ended up. But at the end of the day, the the primary version of you, the the starting world that you're in is your, your world. That is who you are and what you've become. Um, and I think that Journey that Evelyn has and let's let's focus on her her for a little bit because I think her journey is incredibly nuanced but is a, but is a little bit more straightforward than that of joy's is like you said at the beginning of the movie she's doing taxes, and then by the end of it, she's saving the world by being herself by being the person that she's always been, but just coming to terms with it and accepting that. And accepting that there are things around her that she can't change. So why doesn't she just make the best of them and the most of them? And whether it's, you know, the relationship with Waymond, whether it's the relationship with her daughter, whether it's the relationship with the IRS lady, Deirdre, all of those relationships by the end of this movie have basically made like a 180 like entirely her relationship with her father too with with gong gong they've all made this this incredible 180 that sort of proves like it's not that nothing matters it's just finding the right things that matter
1: right it's allowing yourself to not be so drowned by the bullshit to see what's in front of you, right? So much of the, the first part of the film, when it's showing the everything, right? The idea of the all-encompassing pressures and stresses that are placed upon you. It's focused on these IRS issues, right? It's focused on a potential divorce between her and her husband. It's focused on a, a you know father figure, the grandpa in this film, uh, that is uh, conservative and maybe... Uh, has things that he wants done in a certain way. There's a business that is struggling and needs a lot of active attention. And all of those things feel very important in the moment. And this is honestly, this is a lesson that I'm still learning and that I'm trying to take away from this film because I think it's an important one. We are not defined by a lot of those things, right? Like whether the business succeeds or fails whether they dig themselves out of the irs problems or if things get complicated for a bit the parts that matter are the parts that bind these people together because as long as they're working together as a family as shown at the end they can figure it out if you let yourself have a break from the constant stress From constantly feeling like everything needs your attention in this moment, and if you're not giving it your attention, you're failing in some way, you can find different solutions. You can find different ways of solving the problem. That's why the IRS stuff, it's not solved by her buckling down and actually hammering out all of these forms and getting the paperwork just right. It's resolved because the husband has a conversation with the IRS agent and he says, hey, we're having a hard time right now. This is really tough for us because we've got things in our personal life that is a human being you can understand and empathize with and relate to and connect to. That's what fixes it. It's the human connection, not the thing that was causing all of the stress in the immediate. And you don't see that until you are able to take a step back and actually take in what you have in your arsenal, take in the people that you have around you and the skills that they bring and the things that they can do to help. And that's true on everything uh, that this film tries to touch on. The the way in which problems are solved, the way in which we quote unquote win at the end of the day is through kindness. It's through empathy It's through recognizing the humanity in another person and choosing to prioritize that over everything else the world tries to throw at you. And it's not until that happens, until the literal multiverse collapsing into an everything bagel is made secondary to resolving the disconnect between a mom and her daughter that things are able to get
0: to a good spot. I think that... Like I said, Evelyn's journey is a very straightforward, if if not incredibly nuanced and complex journey. Because I, as you know, we discussed earlier, I think everybody does have those moments, uh, particularly in moments of a very stressful situations. I mean, being audited by the IRS is. I I've never been audited by the IRS. I've never owned a business, but I I just know as a human being is common knowledge that those are incredibly stressful environments. You're talking about living with a failing business and and being unable to, to uphold and, and keep that going and keeping, you know, food on your table and money in your accounts and paying your bills and all of these things. Um, I can understand where Waymond is coming from with sort of feeling the emotional detachment of someone who is fi- you know, focused on the finances and focused on the very practical things that need to happen to have a family exist. And just like being at the point where you can no longer carry all the emotional burden that, again, never been married, but you know, that you come to make what is an incredibly difficult decision. What I assume, especially for two people that you know, are immigrants to this country and have really, you know, together built a life and they're, you know, a non-native country and having a child and all these things. I can understand how, you know, having a grandparent around who is very demanding and, and very set in his ways and, you know, only speaks um, Cantonese, I'm going to assume, based on the entomology of where Gong Gong comes from, from what I'm seeing here on Wikipedia. Um, you know, all these things, you could completely understand how all of that pressure – is 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 bearing down on Evelyn and how the alternate universe where she's a movie star, where instead of coming to America for all of these things, she's a movie star and she does martial arts and and seems to have a lovely time. But then there's that moment where she starts talking to to you know martial arts uh universe Wayman and the handcuffs come on and her her master is like, No, there's no time for that. And all of a sudden you start to see the little crack of like Oh, but that's what you are sacrificing to be over there. And even though she says, like, oh, you know, I can't, I need to tell him about how much you know better my life was there, or where she tells that version of Waymond that we would have owned a laundromat, a failing laundromat, if we had gone to America together. And isn't this better? And she feels maybe now I can have my cake and eat it too. I can have the life that I you know would rather prefer, and I can also have the man I love. And how he just. Like, dismisses her and says, like, you know, it's not going to work here and now in, in this alternate universe, but I really would have liked to do laundry with you. And, like, I would have liked that outcome. There is a lot of gut punches in that sort of decision-making of, like, listen, like, the life you have, it it sucks. Yeah, there is there is a lot of rough stuff. Um, Alpha Wayman telling her, like, you're so bad at everything, you could be great at anything. It's such a, like... That is such a, a a punch to the gut of like, wow, you're so terrible that you're a blank slate and could learn anything. That you are the absolute worst version of yourself that you could be. And if you just <laughs> put a little effort into like, hey, you could be like, uh, and like a little effort is like, hey, if you just chew some gum, like, hey, maybe you could be a great hibachi chef or whatever. I'm, I'm forgetting the exact parallel, but like, that's what it could be is so it's it's unintentionally like emotionally traumatizing and funny at the same time, that you can't help but look at that scene and just be like, fuck, this is somebody that really understands life. (laughs) Like, they really understand what's going on.
1: It's such a human film, ultimately, uh, and one that has a lot of empathy for people. And you see it in, in multiple directions, right? You see it when she's the movie star, and she's like, oh, I have to tell my husband about how much better my life is now that he's not in it. And it's like yeah, there's that desire we all have to like show somebody that we think has wronged us that we're actually doing great and that it's all lined up and look at where we are now. Um, All of that is so human. All of it is so, so core to our desire to be understood, to feel like what we do has value, to feel like What we have put ourselves on as far as our path is one that we can believe in. And I I think this movie really does a great job of taking all of those fears and all of the different angles in which it can present itself and brings it all together. Because ultimately, uh, whether it's it's the moment of him saying that he would have loved to, to have that very, you know, that struggling business together, uh, or whether it's, uh, her saying that, um, you know, she believes that the desire to move forward is worth dealing with literal brain fracturing as they are constantly going to have to deal with everything, everywhere, all at once in a very literal sense. There, there's always just this return to a human sense that what matters is what we decide matters, not the empirical here's where we accomplished X thing or acquired Y skill or had all of these different, you know, like it's a, it's a funny joke. Don't get me wrong. This idea of like, Oh yeah, you're the one with the least amount of talent available. But the talent is that she is the one who, because of, where she's at is is most open to being able to see these things and recognize the humanity in them, which is why when she finally comes to the end there and is trying to problem solve, she does so with a people first approach with an empathy first mentality um It's all very good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I yeah it, it is it is incredibly good and before I get to to uh, joy slash jobu tupaki because I, I really want to discuss that um, that sort of journey because I think there's there's some depth and nuance to that let's just touch on a couple other things um, that that really kind of stuck out to me uh, I I pointed out to you as we were you know pre pre you know preparing for this coming up with the outline for what we want to discuss. I thought it was really interesting that narratively, they basically kept this entire movie in two locations. Granted, yeah, you go into the multiverses, you go to, you know, other places. But at its core, there is the laundromat and the apartment that the family lives in. And then there is the IRS building. And for the most part, most of the movie, most of the, like, the... I'd say a large portion of the movie is set in this IRS building and it's incredible how the way they shot everything, the way they laid everything out, that all of the movement in this building, every floor, every room, all of it felt different to the point where you forgot that they were in like one location. And maybe that is because they, they break up, you know, the, when they enter the multiverse uh, and show all these, you know, different versions that helps break it up enough that it feels like you're going to other settings. But in reality, this happens in one time, in, one, I mean, in two places, in like a day, as opposed to everywhere and all at once, which I think is just, is, is very nuanced and just shows the talent that they have.
1: There's a utility uh, in the production design throughout this film that is absolutely incredible. This film had a budget of $25 million. That's it. That's it. Um, and I like for, for a, a mid budget film, like that's a number that for some people will be like, oh, well, that's not particularly crazy. But when you see the scale of what they try to do and what they try to cover and some of the set pieces that they have in mind, it is a testament to how efficient and effective they were at utilizing the resources they had and getting the most out of them because they do get so much out of that irs building you know multiple floors different uh rooms and set pieces obviously like the the um uh uh, god try i'm forgetting the name here um the bdsm room that's the one i'm thinking Mm, of yes the bdsm room in the office um that ends up being used as like a way to hide out from the smoke when people are starting to Come after her because she wants to protect Joy in that moment, um, which let's let's just say uh, naming the daughter Joy so that we could protect Joy in that moment. Very good. Ten out of ten. Uh, well, well, well themed movie. Well themed. Um, But it's also the way that it ties into like the break room and there are the bagels and you get the guy from the Alpha Universe talking about how much he appreciates the basics of a bagel because of how rare it is in his timeline. And then that circles back around to the everything bagel and the idea of what happens if you put everything in the world, all of the hopes and dreams and fears and, you know, all of it onto one bagel literally uh in this film just and how overwhelming and the the void that that can bring um everything serves a purpose everything comes back around everything matters in this film that bdsm gag is not just for that room it's also for at the end when uh, you know, Michelle uh Michelle Yeoh's characters going through and trying to, to help everyone in order to defeat them really, uh, and like uses the BDSM tactic in order to make him happy. Like that is such a clever way of handling that character and bringing it back around and that happens regularly in this film Rack and Cooey is another great example. You have an offhanded joke about a mom who just remembers the wrong thing with Ratatouille, right? Moms do that all the time. But no, there is a universe of her out there in which there is a raccoon that commands one of the chef's heads. And isn't that a really funny joke? A nice little set piece that makes you feel clever for having paid attention to it. But then it comes back around again. And you see, like the actual harm that is caused by the raccoon being revealed. And you feel bad for the guy who is being controlled by the raccoon in order to be a good chef. And she helps him go and save the raccoon before it's too late. And how dare you make me care about the raccoon universe, right? Like, what a silly thing to give weight to and make it matter. Which is, again, thematically... Everything this movie is about. You choose what matters. Does the hot dog hands universe matter? Hell yeah, it does. That might be a weird joke the first time you see it, like what you think is a one-off. But when you see them come together and the the IRS agent in this universe is playing the piano with her feet and there's like this idea of like, no, you are loved actually. That, by the way, when the first, it was a random thing to say that you could profess your love to her, but actually... It is because your character in some timeline did have some sort of affection for her and helping her find that sense of love for herself is pivotal to making her work with you at the end. Just galaxy brain stuff. This film is full of galaxy brain moments and it's because from everything that they did, whether it was in set design choices or whether it was in some of these thematic come-arounds that we got, it all served a clear, larger purpose that you could get invested in and care about. And I think that is beautiful and so many different levels.
0: We talk about in, you know, in movies, and I I think I remember, um, you know, we sort of discussed this with uh, House of Gucci, that there is not an inch of space on the screen there is not a word spoken. There is not a sound effect. There is nothing that is wasted in this film. Absolutely everything is, is used, is used more than once, is recycled. Everything matters, which is incredibly funny, you know, based on what the topics that they're discussing are. Um, you know, as you said, the, the like first thing that, Evelyn needs to do to unlock one of these multiverses. She either needs to profess her love to Deirdre, break her own arm, or take a nap. Like the fact that those three things are together is sort of the like. It reminds me of, of like bad taste jokes, but like, oh my god, I I would I would gnaw my arm off to get away from this person type thing, or these situations like just that thought process. And then at the end, that's what Deirdre needs. she needs like that's literally what she needs and why she ends up being willing to help them again even after evelyn like punched her in the face and threatened her with a baseball bat and like told her to fuck off and like all these things is like she just needed wayman to treat her like a person and then for evelyn to like come sit down next to her and like under and like using that understanding now that she has of like oh my god like Wayman's kindness is, like, his superpower. It's, 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 it's the, you know, this universe Wayman's special talent is kindness. And, like, what if I just sat down with this woman and just talked with her? Because Deirdre just needs someone to talk to her and just, like, tell her, like, hey, it's okay. Like, everything's worthwhile. I'll listen to you. And that's that's not, you know, professing your love for someone. But that is a form of care. That is a form of of love in and of itself. Because love is a very weird emotion there is a lot of depth to it because you can have this super romance uh oriented you know first love or you know one true love type relationships or it's like the love you have for your friends or or your family or your pet or your favorite football team like th- there is a gambit that you can run with love and in that moment, professing love to Deirdre isn't this romantic, I am in love with you. It's like, I care about you. And that's really what is sort of lost, um, you know, I think in the initial profess your love to Deirdre to the ending where it's like, you're a person, let's take care of you. Uh, the little thing of just like Wayman bringing her cookies multiple times and like she likes the cookies and their smiley face cookies, like all nothing is wasted. Everything is used. Everything matters. Which chase leads me to joy, which leads me to uh, to Jobu, uh, to Paki. Yes, this character arc, this journey, I think, really highlights sort of the duality of nihilism and of depression and of the end. Because I truly feel for what for what Joy is going through. And I think that right there actually is the reason she's called Joy. Not so that they can say we're protecting Joy at some point. I think at the end, the sort of dramatic irony of a character being named Joy is the one that is so mind-numbingly, depressingly sad that an, ulterior, an alternate version of her creates a black hole. Because I think a lot of people would describe depression as this sort of black hole of nothingness that sucks all the joy out of your life. And it is very, I can't, I can't find the adjective. I don't want to say brave, but it it is very just incredible that that the, the two directors here, that the Dan's, that the Daniel's decide to, to show the two different paths of depression and that when everything sucks around you and everything is terrible there's one of two options in 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 that sort of kind of depressive state. you can try and fix everything you can try and fix everything else you can try and make it all work and, and go and change absolutely everything you can try and go change you know, Vladimir Putin's mind and tell him to get out of Ukraine and you can try and convince, uh, you know, everyone to wear masks and get vaccinated or you could try to solve coronavirus for yourself or you could go, you know, into, uh, you know, the, the, the Rust Belt of America to these conservative areas and try and convince them to kick. You can try and do all of those things yourself and you can try and be a messiah of some kind or you could just end yourself and you no longer have to deal with any of it anymore and i think that that juxtaposition that they have of that moment of realization that the everything bagel is not about destroying universes is not about destroying the multiverse so that everything else becomes quiet it's just ending yourself so you no longer have to listen i think that dualism that dichotomy that they they show there that while evelyn is suffering you know because of all these things and she just can't accept who she is joy knows who she is in a way it's just that she can't take the noise around her anymore i that is to me that is what elevates this from being like a 9.5 out of 10, to a fucking 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10, like, just one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I I just, there's so much about Joy's character that I immediately, uh, emotionally resonated with. Not even just for me, but I thought about my sister a lot. And my sister and my mom, really. Um, Because my mom, love her to death. She's working on it, she's figuring things out. But she grew up Very Catholic. Had a bit of a hard time when my sister came out as bisexual. Had a bit of a hard time when my sister started dating girls. So you see that opening scene in which the mom is like trying to work around that because she is caring more about the comfort of her dad, Joy's grandpa, than about Joy in that moment. I've seen that moment. I saw my mom do that to my sister. And I know how much it hurt her. Because at the end of the day, when that happens, it's not about, oh, you're putting some small part of yourself to the side in order to placate some other person, some other family member, some other dynamic. It is this idea that who you are is something that needs to be hidden, is something that you cannot be proud of, is something that you cannot put the same kind of value in because it is a thing that when it is convenient will be discarded. And that sucks. It's a terrible feeling when you see that from someone who you love and who you uh, believe matters and care about. And Joy struggling with that and struggling with finding her place in a world that doesn't feel like it has one for her, where it feels like the options being presented to her don't fit, no matter what it is that she does. It's it's really beautiful in a bleak, frustrating way, Because you, because we've all been there, and we all know someone who is struggling with depression and who sees all of these things and how much of it feels like it's out of their control and how much of it feels like they can't just be who they feel that they are something I think a lot of marginalized communities can uh, relate to at this moment in time, unfortunately. Um, it, It tracks, it adds up. And these things really can feel like the world is against you, that your identity is one that is out of line with what the world says that you need to have value in. And it's not just about, you know, sexual identity or whatever else. But in this film, that's a very core thing. When we first see, uh, Jobu pop up and, you know, the mom says something about like, about dating and whatnot. Um, Jobu's like, are you seriously with all of this happening still hung up on the fact that I wanted to date a girl? Because when you say it like that, in the context of all of this, what could be less important, right? What, what, could be less important than trying to put someone who feels one way into the opposite box because it's more convenient or more natural to you or because you believe that doing so will make other people more comfortable. It could not matter less. And the film does such a good job of putting that in context so that when they do reunite and they do come to that emotional conclusion together, it comes to her mom accepting her for who she is, for accepting her for not knowing who she truly is. Because Joy at the end of this film has not figured it out. This is not a film that says that like, oh, all you need is love from your mom and suddenly everything falls into place. No, she is confused. She doesn't know exactly what she wants as far as her career stuff goes but you know she has a partner who seems to care about her a lot and she has a mom who is willing to accept her in the end and she has a mom who urges her to keep going until she figures it out which when you're drowning in it and when you feel like those support systems aren't there feels impossible but once you have them, it all falls into place in just a completely
0: different way. At, at the end, she has a mother that's willing to listen. Mm-hmm. She has a mother, and I, they don't really—they don't really touch on the, the Wayman's uh, joy relationship that that much because that's not what the movie is about. It's not about their relationship. It it seems you know congenial. It seems like a, a very you know good kind of you know uh, father daughter relationship in a way. Um, but yeah, at at the end. Evelyn just needs to listen to her daughter. And the fact that Evelyn does listen, and Joy is like I just I just want it to be done. I want it to be over with. I let me go. And Evelyn finally accepts that and just goes, "Oh, okay. Okay. If that's what you need, if that's what you want, I will let go. I will let you make the decision." And lets her go. And again, this is... Like, it's very... It's it's telling that it is a... Analogy for... To me, to suicide. Of, of some sort of suicidal... Like, end of all of this. That, because I can't handle it anymore. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know I want everything to end. And... That she accepts that that's what's going to happen. And then she goes... And then she does... Like, the thing that Joy says at the beginning to the partner, to, to the girlfriend, like, hey, if she says, like, you're fat, that means she... Lo- like, that's how she says I love you. And Evelyn does that. And then Joy decides she doesn't want to end it anymore. That, because now, like, her mom is listening and her mom is showing that she cares. And that when they, you know, come back out of that universe to them standing out in the... uh Out in the road and... Joy goes, well, do you want to do your stupid party? And Evelyn goes, no, 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 we can do whatever you want to do. Again, you're right. It doesn't show that Joy's all of a sudden, like, figured it out. And there's no cut scene to the end with, like, her getting married or her being a doctor or, like, anything like that. It just – at the end, it just shows, like, the mom is willing to break the sort of generational trauma, which is something that we've seen now in Moana – uh, I know I have not seen Turning Red, but we've seen in Turning Red and sort of these millennial directors taking this mantle of like, hey, like, sure, are, is there good and evil in the world? Like, absolutely. There, There's like good and evil in the world. We could do a whole bunch of stuff where we're dealing with, with like neo-Nazis or racial relationships or like any of that stuff. But I think the real trauma that the majority of this sort of generation has is what our parents and grandparents are inflicting on us. Whether it's an economy that just doesn't work for us because they're not retiring fast enough or they're not giving us the opportunity to to grow, uh, whether, or, you know, through student debt or any of those things, whether it's the fact that they don't really care about the environment and are willing to, you know, sacrifice the environment for their own, again, sort of like with the grandfather, but their own comfort and leave us to deal with the, the remnants of it whether it is again like familial expectations of i feel like a lot of our parents a lot of the these sort of boomer generation uh the i will say it politely the baby boomer generation is that their parents were trying were just like basically like hey just go to college like be the first person in college we'll celebrate that and all these things and and that like them going to college was enough to just make their parents happy But then like, how do you build upon that for the next generation? What are the expectations that if it was just like one parent was working, you know, in the four, in like the fifties, one parent was going to work, they were working like 60 hours a week, you'd go on vacations, they were, they were paying so they could get you your first car or that you could go to college for the first time. And then you, you know, built your, bought your house when you were, you know, in your late twenties, early thirties, and you were starting a family then. And like, you have all that built up, like how do you then raise the expectations for the next generation? And it gets to the point where the expectations that that generation has for us is all so high because of the reality of where they were. Well, I paid off my college by the time I was, you know, 35. And I had a house and I had three children already. And like, we were going on vacations every year. And like, why can't you do all of that? And at the end, I feel like the majority of our generation just wants to, be told it's okay. Like hey, everything is everything has been set up for us to do whatever we want, essentially. That what's holding us down are these sort of archaic institutions and archaic expectations. Like one of the things that I see in like the economy is like hey, productivity went like way way up to the point where there's studies done that like We don't have to work 40 hours a week anymore, but that's just what the expectation has been set for the past 60, 70 years that like, well, if you aren't going to work 40 hours a week, what else are you going to do? It's like, I don't know. Maybe I'd do another podcast a week if I didn't have to work 40 hours a week. Maybe I would like learn a skill. Maybe I'd take up photography. Maybe I'd take up basket weaving. Like what does it matter? And I think that so much of our generation just, wants to focus on what makes us happy that it's very hard for our parents and our grandparents to accept that like happiness is enough of a goal when everything around us is built to keep us down and is built to keep us depressed and is built to just shower us in shit that like I don't need to be the CEO of a giant multinational company. I don't need to be a doctor. What I need is to like lay my head down at night and be happy with who I am and what I do with my life. And I think at the end of that, that is sort of the realization that Evelyn has is that like, like i'm i'm putting so much pressure on joy because of the pressure that was put on me by my grandfather by my father that like fuck it it's not working so why don't i just try and do things her way and see if that works better
1: yeah i i mean i do think that there is something very powerful and i know i keep saying that word but it really it's It's the only way I keep coming back to this film. Just understanding the idea that if nothing matters because we're on a giant floating space rock, there are two responses to that. There is allowing yourself to uh, feel beat up and beat down by an uncaring world. That doesn't seem to give a crap about any of the things and people that you care about and does not want to give you any space in order to feel that or heal from that or fix that so that we're not stuck in the same vicious cycles. Or you can determine what has value and you can do what you can in your immediate life to find it, hold on to it, cherish it. Make it matter. And it's not to say that that means that all the systems are going to suddenly start bouncing our way or that it's going to mean that everything that is currently hurting us is not going to be a problem. It's not what this film is trying to say. What the film says is that we can acknowledge all of that and recognize that we're still here that despite all of the bullshit that the world constantly throws our way, we are here. We are here with people, other people, real people, that also want to be loved and feel heard and feel happy and like they can pursue the things that matter to them and make choices that make them feel like they're doing something for themselves, that they have a greater purpose here than to just fill a hole To just do what society says that they should do. This film is about acknowledging that as overwhelming as it feels and as nightmarish as things can be, we do have a choice. We have a choice to let it either completely overtake us or to use it as motivation to do better. And I think... To, to kind of bring it back around to something that uh, a lot of us at our demographics certainly can understand. When you look at something like climate change, you look at something like nuclear war, you look at all of these things that we fear could bring the literal end of the world. All of those fears are valid. A lot of them are going to cause huge problems. What we can do is try to make things a little bit better for those of us who are here. What we can do is learn skills that are going to help people, that are going to be there and be able to support them when that support is needed. Because the world is not going to stop throwing its punches. That's not the world that we live in. But if we are willing to do our bit to find the things that we believe have value and pursue them as best we can, I think we can find something there worth living for. I think we can find an answer to nihilism beyond nothing mattering. I think we can find an answer that gives us value in a way that no institution can take from us. And it is hard, and it is overwhelming. And the film even says at the end, like, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of chaos and a lot of bullshit With a few moments of clarity. And Evelyn's response is that those moments are worth holding on to. Those moments of clarity are worth living for. And I hope that whatever it is that you've got in your world, whatever it is that is wearing you, lovely podcast listener, down, I hope that you can hear that and see this film and recognize. The ways that you can add value to your own world, even amidst whatever bullshit is out your way, and to remind yourself that as overwhelming as the bullshit can be, those things are what matter. Those are the things that give your life value, not what other institutions or people
0: tell you gives your life value. And there is there is nothing wrong with sometimes saying the rest of the world is too much and I need to take care of myself first because Evelyn can't help Joy, can't help Jobu until she helps herself first until she recognizes what it is that she needs first to make herself happy, to make herself understand. You can't rest. There's a reason why whenever you hop on an airplane and they're doing the safety thing, that they say, put your mask on first before you help someone else. Um, I'm reminded of a lyric from a Lifehouse song that's like, you got to learn how to love yourself Before you can, you know, ever love me. Like, that is all true. And I know in my life that that was something I had to do. That I had to just tell the rest of the world, hey, I can't deal with you guys for a little bit. I can't deal with all the other shit until I I realize the shit in my own life. And I get to that point where I can then listen to everyone else. Where I can then, you know, take the bandwidth to help other people. That I definitely followed that sort of joy, Joe Buttapaki, uh, uh, path of trying to solve everything else first, trying, wanting to help everybody else first, thinking I could, I could solve all the problems first, and then when I was at a very low point, having to let everything else go, having to let, you know, a relationship go, having to let, wanting to solve. Everybody else's problems go first and I had to sit down with myself in my own in my own head and figure out what who is Walter Fedchuk to Walter Fedchuk. And sit and, and realize all those things and solve all those things. And it, it took, it took a couple of years. It took a while for me to do that to the point where now we are, we, we are, you know, two plus years into this, into this pandemic where millions and millions of people have died across the world. There is a war going on that is, you know, from my, my grandparents' homeland in Ukraine, that there is this, you know, never sort of ending threat of climate change, just destroying this planet and now that i kind of realize hey what makes me happy what can i do to take care of myself what is my own self care that i now have the bandwidth to say i'm going to go raise up these voices about black lives matter and i'm going to go raise the voices of you know my my trans and 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 gay and lesbian and bisexual and all of these other people that i can i now have the tools to go out and help all of that and that's that's something else this movie sort of touches on at the end. That Evelyn can't help Joy no matter what she does. She can't help Joy until she's made that realization within her own self, and then she can take that and go help someone else. And I know we said earlier the, the movie doesn't end saying and all's well. It ends well. Everybody was happy at the end of things. It does end with a like. I think um, I think Deirdre. You know Jamie Lee Curtis's character says something very poignant that just goes, "Listen, uh, it's not all fixed, but it's a start." And I think that is probably the best way to end this movie: is that you guys didn't solve everything; it's not all hunky dory, you know. Not everybody's shitting rainbows or anything, but you know what? You guys put in a lot of work, and it's a start. And we can go from here, and we can keep working on it. We can keep fixing it, and keep you know really, really making this what you as individuals and you as a family and you as a collective all want to be chase as we sort of reach the end here i know you already said it's a 10 out of 10 everything yada 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 but at the end of the day everything everywhere all at once does it live up to its namesake
1: Oh, fuck, yeah, it does. Oh, man. Could you imagine if at the end it's like, ah, no, actually, it's just fine. No, this film's amazing. This film covers so much in a way that I am honestly just staggered at how much ground it covers and how meaningful the ground that it covers ends up being. I just, man, I'm going to be thinking about this film for a very long time. I'm going to be thinking about what this film ultimately chose to believe in and how it chose to share that in a way that I think anyone can get behind. I, I just, I, I think it's so damn smart and I think it's so damn clever and I think it's funny as hell and it made me cry and it did all of those things. It was, it was everything. It was everything, everywhere, all at once. And in this moment, the moment that we are living in right now, I can't think of any movie that is more important and that more captures where we're at and what we're feeling as a society, really. And if that's something that... If you somehow kept listening throughout all of this and didn't decide to just watch it for yourself... If that's, I think, the best selling point I could possibly give you, is that it is a movie that understands why so many of us feel alone, why so many of us feel uh, overwhelmed, why so many of us feel like we haven't done enough, and reminds us that there's no such thing. There isn't enough. There's just what we have and what we put value in and what is worth holding on to because we find that value. That is beautiful, poignant, powerful. Pick your word. It's a message I think everyone could benefit from. And I'm really glad that this movie exists. Um, Shout out to everyone. We barely even talked about how good a lot of these acting performances are. Individuals here all did great work. It all, all of... If we didn't praise something here that you think was worth praising, know that we could talk another hour about this film, and I think we'd still have things to say. But I, yeah, just can't say enough.
0: I I think part of part of that like talking for another hour thing is I think it would just be stream of conscience uh, conscious, just like going off on tangents for little parts here and there and and all over the place and. As much as we've spoiled the hell out of, like, the plot and everything, I, I, just there are so many little nuanced moments in this that this is going to be a movie that you can go back and re-watch every six months and find something new to like about it and find something that you missed on your first viewing all the way through your 100th viewing. It is about as close to a perfect film as I think anything has ever been. It is, It is two directors who know exactly the story they want to tell and are uncompromising in how they're going to tell it and want you feeling certain emotions in certain seconds and you are completely bought in and are are sold on everything that is going on in this movie. The actors across the board are are phenomenal. The there's the action scenes, the martial arts in it is just beautifully done. The choreography is beautifully done. They're I mentioned the one scene with like the, the paper cuts and that's just because like, that's, that's an uncomfortable thing to watch and is just like, I, that's like the tiniest of tiny little nitpicks that I could because coming out of the movie, I was like, okay, there has to be something. It reminds me of you know college you know of high school professors teaching uh, AP courses that are like listen like I don't give nine I don't give a hundreds out they got to find that one sentence that you put a little bit of an opinion in to make your your you know uh, AP American paper about Bill Clinton a ninety nine instead of a hundred that's right Mister Salen. I fucking remember that still ten plus years later and I'm still mad about it um <laughs> but it's perfect it is a perfect film it is a film that. If anyone came up to me and said, hey, I I, I want to watch a movie today. What should, I, what should I watch? It would be like, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? And if they say yes, I'll be like, cool, go watch it again. And if they say no, I'll say go watch it five times and come back and talk to me about it because I have to talk to you about this movie. It is amazing. It is perfect. It is beautiful. It is disturbing. It is... Every adjective that has ever been written, every adjective that has never been written, every adjective that will ever exist in the history of anywhere. It's a it's a beautiful film, and I am I am so glad that Chase and Twitter hounded me enough in just its ex- mere existence that I decided to go see it at eleven forty five on the Monday after Easter. And it has changed my worldview. And I don't think there is anything that could ruin my week at this point. Because I started it off with such an amazing, wonderful thing.
1: Hell yeah. That That to social media, you got one. You got one thing right promoting this film. (laughs) Making us both recognize we needed to move it up our priority list. Twitter gets one. Well done.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of Twitter, Chase... Where can the good folks at home find you on the interwebs?
1: Oh, you could find me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. You can also follow the pod at Rough Drafts Pod. Uh, would love to hear what y'all think about this film. Uh, I think it's uh, a really special one, um, and I would love to to hear uh, what everyone else thinks because I think it's a very personal film, and people will draw different things from it. Of course, you could also let us know if there's uh, something else uh you'd like to see us review or you can come back next week if you're on the rough drafts podcast feed as a whole and listen to walter and i talk about some video games that we've been up to on steam cleaners a podcast whose name i definitely remember every time we do this plug
0: chase has sent me a photo of his uh his computer screen he has a little sticky note on the side that says video game podcast is steam cleaners
1: Shh. uh you as promised always, you weren't gonna tell
0: That was other universe, Walter. Ah, that'll get you. (laughs) As always, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And Chase likes to yell at me off podcast about saying negative things about the content and being like, hey, why would people watch it if you're like decrying it? But I'm sorry, folks. It's all downhill from here. I don't think we can say anything Uh, about any movie that'll match how perfect this one is and you know in two weeks come back here we will talk about spencer i promise you we will talk about spencer in two weeks a movie chase that chase and i have described to each other as well i have watched spencer (laughs) so two weeks from now we will see you for kristen stewart in spencer until then goodbye internet
1: goodbye